Welcome to Stees, an ongoing exploration of Gen Z's place in the financial industry. Created by Tearsheet and in partnership with Publicis Sapient. At Tearsheet, we cover the important things happening at the intersection of finance and technology. Stees is one of our most ambitious projects to date because it's not simply covering what's happening, but rather what's not. There's a huge gap in the industry when it comes to Gen Z. And so we've set out to determine just how big that gap is and what it's going to take to not only include today's youth in financial services, but put them front and center as the new financial consumer. Welcome back to Steez. This is episode three of our series. Last episode, we spoke about the creator economy. We met some creators who are already winning the hearts and the minds and the following buttons of millions of Gen Zers. And we talked about what it takes for brands to collaborate with creators to be where they need to be. Mostly as of now, that place is TikTok. <laughs> TikTok uh, gets a bad rap in some circles for a lot of different reasons. You can agree or not. The truth is, uh, it is one of the, the number one social media platform today by, by many counts. And one of the central places where Gen Zers go to not only socialize, but learn about finance. If social media and financial education don't really make sense to go hand in hand, uh, definitely not financial advice. Uh, there's a few things to talk about here. That's what we're going to talk about today. What is FinTalk? Why are Gen Zers learning about things like banking or investing or credit from non-advisors on social media? How would you go about making impactful content that caters to our ever-disappearing attention spans? And, and what does it mean for financial institutions to actually bring their know-hows and tools uh, down to the people where they are? To break it all down, I have with me Jeff Frommer, Chief Content Officer at MoneyLion, Michael Wang, CEO of investment platform Prometheus, and Mike Broughton, founder and CEO of credit building fintech Ultro, and Gen Zer himself. So let's take advantage of, of having you in the room with us, Mike, as a Gen Zer, uh, and let you take the lead. Ultra, as I mentioned, is a credit building fintech. What you do essentially is, is, is helping users build their credit scores through things that they're already paying for, like subscriptions to Netflix or Hulu or Spotify pretty fun. Uh, helping people, you know, hack credit without really doing too much. I think that's awesome. Credit is definitely a big issue for Americans, especially Gen Zers like yourself, who are uh, entering the adult world on the heels of the pandemic into a recession, uh, basically no consumer profile or a bad consumer profile and, and very little uh, professional regulated know-how on how to improve it. Um, then enter financial education on social media, namely FinTalk. What's your take on all of this? Yeah, I, I, it's funny because the first time we saw conversations about financial literacy, and you can tie this back to the pre slash during pandemic times too, was it was seen as like a life hack on TikTok. Like this is how you can get into the the air lounges at, at airlines, right? And it comes back to having like an Amex Platinum or, you know, having these different experiences that people had never heard about. Um, and that's when I realized that people were really interested in building themselves. Um, and, you know, this financial TikTok, these influencers, this market kind of grew on its own. And it's exactly like you said, right? We don't have this education in schools. Uh, we don't have a moment where we experience, you know, this access to credit or financial literacy. So these life hacks truly felt like life hacks for a lot of people and consumers uh, in this space. And I think you've seen it develop a lot. I mean, now in 2022, walking into 2023, there's people who are like financial influencers, uh, people who just talk about financial literacy. And I think 
unfortunately, like you've seen them take on the responsibility um, of being like this forefront of financial education for a new audience. So when you think about Gen Z and you think about this upcoming wave of consumers who are about to hit the market, most of their education came from social media. And this was a, a expectation that I don't think government or private markets or schools thought was going to happen. Uh, but they found their way to it and it created itself, you know, its own market, which I think is fascinating. Well, fascinating is, is definitely a good a good word for this. Uh, I agree, Mike. In and in, in order to reach Gen Z, uh, we have Money Lion over here, uh, who's been partnering with college athletes who uh, are like other students, uh, other uh, Gen Zers, really, not getting financial literacy in the classroom, uh, seeking it elsewhere, right? Jeff, can you talk to us about why is financial literacy your acquisition strategy, your retention strategy, um, and why student athletes? six years we've been representing professional athletes. And I think if you look at the data and, you know, you watch CNBC, you know, the majority of kind of pundits talk about, you know, the fact that, you know, majority of these individuals leave uh, the field and in three years, you know, they go broke, right? Uh, with NIL, you know, they, these, these college athletes, these students have an even shorter distance between, you know, the, the fact that the majority of them won't go play in the NFL or they won't make it to the big leagues. And they were going from eating a couple noodle soup, you know, a few weeks ago until now a brand gives them $25,000. Right. And what do they do with it? They don't have financial advisors. They don't have a majority of these mentors or the institutions and infrastructure that a professional athletes gets. And so what we wanted to do was to put those individuals under a microscope, right. And highlight the gap, you know, everyone talks about financial literacy. I, I, I think the problem is if you look at the majority of, uh, you know, just demographics, Gen Z, Gen X, doesn't matter. We're not taught the, the, the taxes. We're not taught the fact that if you miss a credit card payment, it could negatively impact your life for the next decade. You're not taught money confidence. You know, folks won't, not everyone's going to go to college. So how do you ask your boss? For a raise, what happens when you win the lottery or get a five thousand dollar check? You know who's teaching. You know who's the mentor. Who's the advisor? So, in our view, putting college athletes on a pedestal and trying to provide them with a new way of learning that is not broccoli. I think. Educators and institutions, and, and, and if you look at the way in which we teach kids in the next generation, we have to change the way we teach. FinTalk is a real thing because it didn't just like come up because, oh, yeah, I want to dance and tell people about taxes. It's like, well, no one taught me about taxes. This is the way I learned how to do X, Y, and Z. So maybe I can help other individuals, you know? And so what we're doing is, is using NI athletes pairing them with a curriculum that we'll be launching called Moneyline University, which is going to teach the next generation how to money in a way that they'll actually learn. We don't want, you know, and nothing against experience, but the boomer generation and the education system that educated them, they can't teach this next generation the same way that they were taught. We have to create a new way and it doesn't have to be dance videos, but it has to be more to the point, 
It has to be edutainment. It has to be interesting. And it also has to be where the time and attention is being spent. Right, 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 right. So, so this is an interesting point, right? Because yes, we need financial education and it needs to be where people are listening. But who is the right person to be providing this education? Is it just anybody off the street who knows how to use TikTok? For the majority of Americans, the working class, you know, who are looking to their friends, to their parents for the, the answers to problems that they have. The problem is, is that those individuals don't have it. And as you think about this dynamic that we've created around truth and where information exists and what information is factual or not, the next generation is looking to their peers. But the problem is if those peers lack the same financial literacy that they have, it becomes this, this whirlwind and down cycle into not trusting information from these larger institutions or these traditional media outlets to then asking friends who, you know, maybe find information on the internet that may not be true. Right. Right, right, right. So, so, so actually, this is the perfect time. I, I want to bring you in, uh, Michael Wang, CEO of Prometheus, who, who is actually tackling that problem. Uh, Prometheus is an alternative investment platform, uh, giving accredited investors the ability to research, follow, and transact with high quality managers, right? So you're basically setting out to, to create a community of investors uh, and democratizing the access to high quality, uh, professionally regulated investing advice. Uh, and you're tackling exactly this problem that Jeff is speaking about that I brought up uh, in the age of information, right? Everything at our fingertips. Why is it important to make investing education more accessible? Um, and why do you think, Michael, there's been a gap uh, in the knowledge to begin with? Well, one, one thing I go back to, like what happened during the pandemic is one positive thing is that investing became very culturally relevant. Government was spending, spending, uh, sending st stimulus checks, and people are at home and uh, opening up Robinhood accounts and trading, and uh, so that that's great to make investing and finance relevant. However, the negative aspect of that is where were these people going for all their investment insights? They're going to Wall Street bets. They're going to stock twits. In which case, they were learning not how to invest, but how to speculate, right? And uh, because they were buying things like GameStop and AMC based on emojis of rocket ships and moons. That is not investing. That is pure speculation, okay? And that's not the right way to do things. And so there was no platform out there that um, folks can easily access, particularly if you're not, you know, ultra wealthy, you were running a fund of yourself, where you can get insights from some of these pros. And so I wanted to build a platform so that, um, um, you know, my industry, my former industry, the hedge fund industry, uh, um, just the professional fund management industry can provide insights and have a safe place to provide those insights. There's um, there's a few different reasons why uh, most fund managers on Wall Street do not post on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, et cetera. And, um, and you know, one of them is compliance reasons. And so this is why on Prometheus, we made sure to build the compliance gates in place so uh, to address this issue, so they feel comfortable posting, that's number one. Uh, number two is, is that for these finance executives and fund managers, they feel like posting on Twitter is, uh, it almost like feels like it's you're posting into the ether. You don't know, really know who your audience is. 
And, um, you know, you have a million other topics under the sun that you're competing against. And then you have, you know, housewives on one end posting content, celebrities on the other end posting content. You know, you know these other platforms like Twitter aren't generally the right platform for pros on Wall Street. Whereas when you post on Prometheus as a professional, it's hitting a very targeted audience. Number one, it's it's an audience that's only there for investing. And then number two is... Uh, they can hit up, um, you know, who's our audience. We have a lot of family offices, RIAs, institutional allocators, high net worth, uh, et cetera. Um, and, uh, and so uh, it's a very relevant audience for folks on Wall Street to be able to post um, um, to. And then lastly, there's an incentive for these fund managers to post content, um, which is that you could raise capital on Prometheus as a fund manager. You can't raise capital on obviously LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook and any of that other stuff. Um, and I was a fund manager for many years on, on Wall Street, and I know that uh, my peers and myself you need an incentive to actually take time to produce content. Um, and so all these things combined, I think, is what makes our platform special and why I'm able to get um, uh, the professional fund management community to participate. Right. The, the internet can be an extremely dangerous place uh, when it comes to money. <laughs> um especially dangerous when it comes to young people who are entering the world uh, with very little education about that. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of like the only option for most people. You know, like you mentioned, Jeff, working class Americans, where do we go to learn? Yeah, I think the biggest lack is a sense of clarity, right? If you asked anyone to go from having no credit um, to having a pretty strong score, um, nobody can give you an answer on how to do that, right? No one can tell you exactly what makes a bank say yes or no to your first credit card, to your first loan. Um, and that lack of clarity creates a gap, truly a gap in how people are able to get access or not get access to credit. I think every year there's about 80 million people who are denied for their first financial product without much reasoning as to why, you know, they did not get access to this product. So I think especially when you're looking at people like myself or people who entered their adult life during the pandemic where you know the education gap was even worse, um, a lot of people are currently 23, 24, 25, 26, still trying to figure out how to get their first financial product. Um, so I think that this gap, this lack of clarity, and this all comes down to financial literacy too, um, is what's creating this, this wealth gap. It's creating this credit gap um, and the yearly impact of having a score at 18 or 19 versus 25, 26 compounds very heavily. Um, so, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So 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 let's talk about let's talk about the heart of this. OK, which which is not the hype. It's not the criticism, but it's the content itself. Right. It's it's a very. Uh, mysterious, almost, I think, for people who are not native uh, to this to this form of content creation, right? We all know our attention spans are ever disappearing. Uh, we're sitting on about eight seconds now uh, for Gen Zers. And honestly, it's not just young people. We're all scrolling and, and skipping faster than, than ever before. Uh, Mike, I know with Altro, you are trying to eliminate the complexity out of credit. Uh, but there's still like this focus on educating your users on the platform about all things finance. How do you create engaging content that also makes that educational uh, and empowering impact? So our financial literacy is not like your simple like 30 minute blog from from Investopedia or, you know, like an hour long about how, you know, the stock market works. 
Um, but it's very simple content. It's like 300 one minute long audio clips that talk about stocks, 401ks, your Roth, savings, maximizing your student loans. And they're very actionable, right? It's not just information gathering. It's really like, if you're trying to learn how the stocks work, episode one is how you open up a brokerage account. Episode two is how do you actually trade stocks? What is the stock? What's the value behind it? By episode six, which you're six minutes in, you're learning about option trading, right? So I think we've found a way to show people like, you don't need to go spend three months learning how the stock market works. You just need to learn the step one, two, and three of getting in, what it does, and how to play in the game, right? And I think that with the market that we're seeing, with Gen Z specifically, six minutes is even a long time to capture for someone. And it will consolidate, it will get smaller, it will get faster. Um, but that's just kind of what, the way the world is moving. And people have really gathered around and really enjoyed our content so far. I'm glad you brought up uh, uh, investing education online uh, because I think that's that's really the the vertical of finance that gets the most heat for sort of getting democratized on social media uh, and Reddit threads, right? It's 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 with investing more than anything else. I think that we really do have to be careful what we're getting, uh, where we're getting our insights upon which you know we make our financial decisions with our wealth. As investors, from your experience with Prometheus users, Michael, how, how do you think that Gen Zers are different from other age cohorts? I, I think number one, uh, and this is a very positive thing, is that Gen Z is getting um, involved in investing at a much earlier age than probably their parents did. And I think that's a very positive thing, is just taking that initiative to learn about investing and to educate themselves. Uh, and that's one of the pillars of what we're doing here is um, is really teaching financial literacy the right way um, to the public um, coming from credible professional managers. OK, so that's number one, I think, is a big difference between Gen Z and, and other cohorts. Um, and um, uh, and then number two is uh, the even just the access to information, to access to products um, like Robinhood and stuff like that, that wasn't made available to the previous generations. You know, I don't think, you know, most households did not even have a stock account, you know, in the 60s or 70s, right? And so, and now, you know, I, I think the vast majority of America has, you know, some some account from Robinhood or Charles Schwab or something like that. So that's the other thing is, is that um, if you have the initiative and if you want to learn um, uh, about um, about investing and growing your wealth, there are just a lot more options today, and these options are at your fingertips, essentially. Right. Uh, you know, it's never been easier to open an account, fund an account, and and start to invest and make financial decisions, uh, for better or worse, right? So there's needs to be a lot more transparency um, from Wall Street, and and we're going to shepherd that in, you know, and and because we are a social community bridging Wall Street with Main Street, trying to promote more transparency from these fund managers and essentially essentially trying to force them to um, uh, teach uh, you know, their learnings and, and uh, share their experiences with the rest of the world. So when you come on Prometheus, I post every day. Everything I've ever learned, all my real-time insights on what's going on in the markets, I do on Prometheus. Uh, even my, you know, so-called um, sort of 
you know, secret uh, stash of, 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 I don't know, proprietary, you know, investment frameworks, I give it all, you know, because it's, it's just better that everybody is educated um, about uh, how to invest. And, um, and so I think Wall Street needs to do a much better job. And, uh, you know, we're a tech platform trying to facilitate that. Like the opposite of, of gatekeeping, really. Yes. No, we want to eliminate the gates. And a lot of it also has to come down with regulations. You know, there are. So right now, uh, here's the problem is, is that uh, the typical retail investor has access to traditional investment products. So what is that? That's stocks, bonds and ETFs, essentially. That's it. OK, the problem is, is that they're all highly correlated to each other, which means that a year like this, when the markets are down, you know, 20 percent, Nasdaq's down what, closer to 30 percent, um, your portfolio is going to get crushed. And by the way, that's the average stock, uh, whereas most retail investors, um, they are um, picking stocks. They're picking stuff that are likely more volatile. Some of these tech stocks, for instance, more speculative things like AMC, where they're not down. 20 or 30%. No, 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 they're down like 60 to 80%. So retail the last two years has really learned the hard way. Hey, investing is, is very difficult. You must get educated. You should spend time on figuring out what it is that you own. I mean, you know, I, I see people, they'll make investments in a stock based on a tweet. They spend more time researching what dishwasher they're going to buy than they do on investing. You know what I'm saying? So um, that education, I can't stress that enough. That is so, so important. Um, uh, for uh, for folks, yeah, yeah, you know, you're you're bringing up this criticism that I think is very valid, right? Not not everybody talking about money or anything on social media um, is a reputable source. Uh, in America, we love celebrities, but should we be listening to them about money? Like, should we be allowing people like Kim Kardashian uh, to get paid to promote? pump and dump schemes the sec doesn't think so um so so maybe not maybe yeah <laughs> i don't know um i think i think it really matters ultimately like what face and what voice education comes from uh how are people even supposed to know then uh and maybe mike you can you can help us here how are people supposed to know how to decipher right from wrong on the internet now this is definitely a, a hot topic for sure um, and to start, I think that there's recent events has really helped redefine the importance of financial literacy and education in the space, um, like the GME rush that happened um, alongside AMC, uh, the Dogecoin rush and crypto wave that happened twice now, the first time happening in 17 and the second one happening in 21. Um, so many events that have been happening recently where public markets, which is what we're talking about, enters the space because of what they're seeing from social pressure, right? Um, and this was actually what caused Bitcoin for the first time to hit 10K in 2017, was because corporates, private investors are really buying up Bitcoin. You see this surge, people are making songs about Bitcoins, public markets getting invested, they buy it 10K, it drops. Same thing happened um, last year or the year prior, where Bitcoin surged to 60K, people are selling their homes to buy Bitcoin. And again, it drops. And I, I think that this is a level of like just what private markets have been doing in the stock market anyways. Um, a lot of the stock market is owned by private investments. Um, so when you're entering the space with very little education and you're riding the hype, 
uh, quote to say, like 99% of the time, you're going to come out with a loss. Um, and I think it's happened so many times now, and there really hasn't been a conversation about it. Um, and going back to your point on how do we teach people, where do people get their information, how do you not ride the hype, um, I, it has to start with the level of education at the beginning. I think that next generation is also looking for purpose and alignment and community. We're all tribal. We all want to feel a part of something, right? And so these small tribes that we've created in the comment section following these creators, if you look at what happens in these, in these TikTok comments or these Instagram comments, right? People feel comfortable asking creators a very personal question. Hey, here's what I'm going through. What would you do? They don't have access to a financial advisor. They don't have a peer group that can help them with that. And you know who chimes in? It's not just the creator. It's the rest of the people in the comment section, right? And that as a brand and for the rest of the financial industry has to be incredibly empowering to know that we, the people, can solve our problems if we elevate and magnify those individuals who the, pro the people who are seeking to solve the problem follow. I love that point, Jeff. I, I think you're right. There are really so many layers to this conversation, so many layers to these issues, and, and they go far beyond financial literacy um, or even just internet culture, right? Technology, it touches everything in our lives, and it's, it's, it's certainly going to continue doing so. Uh, and that's a good thing and also a bad thing and a complicated thing, <laughs> right? Um, so, so Mike, you know, you're a digital first native, as we like to call Gen Zers, uh, but really also most of us millennials. And, and at this point, you know, we're all just online all the time. Uh, but from your perspective, having been born into the age of smartphones and high speed internet in your pocket, how do you see the pace of technology uh, impacting our financial lives into the near uh, and distant future? I think that you're going to see this happen in credit and in this financial system where the simplification of access and the simplification of generating like a better score, more financial tools, getting into the stock market, all of this is going to get simplified to the point where everyday consumers can get access. I mean, that's what Robinhood was too. Um, but once everyone has access, the next step is the evolution of the product behind it too. It's changing the banking system, it's changing the credit score system. Because now that people have access to it, they understand the biases, right? They understand the issues with it. I mean, credit itself, it's like, if there was ever an implement, like ever a sign of bias in the history of, of you know, the score, then the score itself will be biased too. And as we know, America has a lot of biases already, which means that the score and system itself is biased as well. So I think the access comes before the, the revolution and we're on the access side right now, prepping for the revolution. Words of revolution. Well, I think, uh, thank you, Mike. <laughs> this is a perfect end to our conversation, which like I said, is actually really far from done. We have ways to go. Um, but to the viewers and our listeners at home, thank you for tuning in. I hope we cleared some things up about FinTalk, uh, maybe lit a fire under some butts when it comes to bringing transparency and clarity to the forefront. Uh, like I said, we have ways to go. Uh, but meanwhile, catch us in the next episode as we talk about one of America's favorite pastimes, online shopping, and how the youth is bringing about a new age of e-commerce. Stay tuned.